<laughs> good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. Did anybody notice we have a new intro into our um, podcast today where it has the um, Jesus is our hope and there's the, the lighthouse with the light going on. I have been, uh, that was done by Joe from um, the Rome Boys. The Rome Boys, Joe did that down there. Be bold, be real, be Catholic. Don in Texas. Um, he did a fantastic job and I pray for him. Him and his, uh, the Rome Boys and their priest and a bunch of them are going to Italy like today or tomorrow or one of these things. So pray for them. They're good, good, good people. Even Joe, but just don't tell Okay, so anyway, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Oh, can't even take a breath without you. We can't exist without you. There's nothing. Those people that try to think that there is no God, and yet, whether they think it or not, you're the one that gave us life. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may do as you will because you will it all the days of our life. We beg you these things in your most holy name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, welcome. Now, today, as always, We'll be talking about, um, um, you know, all the topic here, the first half hour and then questions after. But I want to thank everybody for everybody's prayers that uh, I got my CAT scan on Sunday and then finally on Tuesday night they found that they're all normal, everything's fine. So everything went, remember, when they thought I was having a heart attack. I don't know what the heck's happening as I'm getting older, all these things. I've seen the hospital more times this last year and a half than ever in my life anyway. So uh, um, they went and uh, did a CAT scan in the hospital in January, and then there was a bunch of uh, stuff messed up. They weren't sure about the lymph nodes, and so they were concerned that I could have some cancer or something. So they said I had to get another one, a CAT scan, within three to six months. And so the last thing my uh, doctor who retired did was get me in for a CAT scan, and I got that last uh, Sunday. And so it was... Uh, fantastic that it happened i'm always uh saying the dying part it, uh, death doesn't bother me it's the dying part right it's the especially if you have stuff as some of you have had all kinds of uh, diseases and that throughout the years and so i was like oh if i have to deal with this i have to deal with this so it was kind of like your will be done but struggled with it and i you know i went to uh there's always three things i do i always go to jesus of course and then i go to saint joseph i have great devotion to Joseph and uh, the sleeping St. Joseph. And I always put under his head of the statue, you know, uh, my requests. And then the memorari, the 10 memoraries to Our Lady and uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they always take great care of me. And even if it was the other way, they always take great care of me. So uh, I'm just very grateful to them. Uh, I'm very grateful for all you who prayed for me. Anyway, today I want to focus on the only commandment of Jesus. I talk about it a lot, um, but what does that mean? Let's flesh it today. Uh, every time I do a parish mission, this is the second night's talk. 
but I just want to focus on a specific part of it. In John chapter 13, verse 34, uh, I'm sure you have your Bibles here with you. In John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, Jesus says, this is my commandment. And, you know, the translations are a little different. But this is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So it's the only commandment of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 35, it says, this is how all people know you're my disciples because you love one another. Now, the commandment of love has to always go back to where it comes from. Uh, because too often we think love is just, you know, uh, and people go crazy because they just think love is a tiptoeing through the tulips and we love everybody as they are and we don't care about anything as long as you love people. Love is love, huh? But the love that Christ talks about is that he calls us to love one another as he has loved us. And that's a totally different reality. It's a deep love. It's a love that goes so powerfully inside of us because it's a, a love of agape. It's the agape love of God. Now, you know that, you know, there's in the Greek, there's four um, terms for love, and each one means something different. There's eros, uh, which is a sexual love, but not just a sexual love. But, you know, you uh, enter into intimacy with somebody, you get something, and they get something. So it's not a purely uh, selfless love. None of them are purely selfless except for the agape one. And then you get the philia, and the philia is a uh, like Philadelphia. That's brotherly love. That's a love of interest, you know, similar interests, uh, I belong to a club with people I love, you would say, or I, you know, we're brothers here, we're sisters here, and we all think the same or do the same or we have the same activities. That is uh, philia. And you got storge, and storge is an instinctual love, if you will. It's the love of, of a father uh, or a mother with their children, a love that would even give itself away to protect uh, their own, but you know, if you ever read C.S. Lewis's um, The Great Divorce, you see that love, a storge love, can truly be a selfish love too because that child is an extension of you. And so you want them to do all great things because you want to do great things or you live through your children. So it can be a selfish love too. So, but the love we're talking about is the love that Jesus came and showed us by dying on the cross, and that's agape. And agape is this total self-emptying for somebody else without expectation in return. It's a selfless love. Um, and so when Jesus says to us, you must love one another as I have loved you, he calls us, to this agape love. Now again, when Jesus asks uh, Peter, you know, in John 21, do you love me? He starts off with agape, but he goes to a <laughs> regular one because he knows that Peter, like all of us, who can, who can love like God? But we can 
when we let God's spirit live inside of us. So often, like, uh, I am not a naturally loving person. I'm not naturally, uh, you know, totally other-centered. So it has to be something from uh, God uh, when I let him take over my life instead of Larry, naturally Larry, and then Father Larry as an instrument of Almighty God. Two different things. Um, And so they become hopefully more and more one as time goes on. But we got to be searching for the goal and not just searching. You know, we I know the goal, but it's uh, striving for the goal, living for the goal, desiring to give away our life in love. Um, you know, again, I used to talk about in my talks, it's a way of either being uh, Mother Teresa, Calcutta, or Donald Trump. And again, um, that comes back again and again because they say, how can you talk about the president? I'm not talking about the president. This was way, 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 this was 30 years ago. And I used to use the example, Trump writes a book, what's it called? Trump. Trump builds a tower, what's it called? Trump. Trump has a thing, what's it called? Trump. Trump loves Trump. Yes, God used him in a mighty way. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against the, the uh, ex-president of the United States. So that's not the point of this. But what I am saying is you contrast him with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she wasn't much to look at, was she? She was big hands, kind of ugly woman, naturally, um, in her appearance, but was the most loving person in the whole world. Mother did nothing for herself. She did everything for the poor, even when she won the Nobel Peace Prize. She gave all the money away to the poor. Huh? Um, and again, even when I bring up that old example, some people are, oh, Father, I can't believe Again, it's an old example. But none of us have, uh, I'm just using the two best examples I know of extremes, that the point of our life is when you look at our own lives, do we look more like Mother Teresa or more like Donald Trump? Are we people that give away our life every day? Do we love the way God loves even if it kills me, we're other-centered, never self-centered. And so when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, this must be the command that every one of us strives for, period. No matter who you are, whether you're the President of the United States, whether you're a garbage man, whether you're a musician, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a stay-at-home mother, whether you're a child, whether you're in a nursing home. Our call is to love the way God loves. And so that love, of course, will call us to lay down our lives for other people. Christianity is never the focus on self. It's the forgetfulness of self. Even in our prayer, you know, if you watched, uh, and you can still watch it, if you watch the video of uh, what happened last uh, Sunday when we did Divine Mercy. So there's the, the Mass homily, and then there's the uh, homily for the Holy Hour. I think it was during the Holy Hour homily, which was 19 minutes uh, all my classmates, you know, got on my case about it the other day. Father Nick says, 19-minute homily. I said, it was during a holy hour, and we didn't have music. Anyway, but I talked about how even in our prayer needs to be other-centered. And so I talked about 
you know, praying for the poor souls in purgatory, which is a great prayer, of course, to pray for the poor souls. But like I said, the poor souls are all going to heaven, right? Every single one of them are going to heaven. They're going to be saints. It's the issue of how long it's going to take. That's why our prayers help them. But I said there are millions of people in the world, if not billions of people in the world who are going to hell. And we need to be praying for them more than we pray for the souls in purgatory. Why? Again, because the souls in purgatory will go to heaven. These other people will go to hell forever. Whoa. And so Jesus came to save those people. And so we who are his followers, who are called to love like him, he gave his life for sinners, you and me. And so he's calling us to do the same thing. So even when it comes to our prayer life, if our prayer is always self-centered, Lord, I need you, I, help, I, I need help, I want help, uh, give me courage, give me strength, which are all important. I'm not saying they're not important. But think of the people that go to hell because we never prayed for them, because the Christians uh, spend all their time praying for themselves and their needs instead of praying for the people who are going to hell, that we should be willing to give up our lives to get them to heaven like Jesus did. Again, I've told you this story before. Years ago, uh, a priest called me, and he thought I was getting liberal. And, he, and I just said to him, Father, would you be willing to go to hell to, if someone else got to go to heaven? He goes, absolutely not. I'm just thinking, this is the problem. And I says, well, St. Paul said he would. And then he just got quiet. Because, again, we even make our walk with the Lord a selfish walk. And it's not, you know, when Jesus went, he'd spend hours in prayer at night. He'd spend the whole night in prayer. But so that he could do the Father's will and to show the Father he loved him. You know, and the, the prayer wasn't about uh, just give me strength, but he did pray for that, right, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Lord, I don't want to do this, but your will be done. So he took into account his own needs, his own wants, his own feelings, but he dismissed them for the will of the Father. And so our love has to be beginning in our spiritual life. So do we pray for those we don't like? Do we pray for those who have hurt us? Do we pray for our enemies? Because it all begins when we say we love people by praying for them, by praying for their salvation. When we're fasting, do we have, uh, if it's, uh, we do more than one day fasting, do we do one day of fasting for those who are going to hell or our enemies or people that we know that don't know Jesus? Are we living this life of sacrifice, but not so everybody says, oh, look how much they sacrifice, please. Do we live this life of sacrifice so that others will be saved? So do I have in my spiritual life a spiritual and prayer life of love? Am I praying more for other people than I am praying for me? And like I said to the uh, people the other day, I, you know, they get crazy with me in my parish. And I said, even today, we're all going to get, if you sit there and you've done the novena and you're praying and you went to communion and uh, you got to go to uh, confession and you did all that today, then uh, what do you get today? And they all says, uh, plenary indulgence. And I says, so if you're loving like God, give the plenary indulgence to somebody else who has died. 
And it'd be even more perfect if you give it to someone who you didn't like or someone who you knew was a great sinner. And you could just see, uh, you even want me to give up my plenary indulgence? And I go, yes. And then they're going, <laughs> and then they, I sat there and says, now what do you think God's going to do if you give that away? He's going to give you another one. You cannot be more generous than Almighty God. And so we got to learn to practice that even in our prayer. Uh, that's what is uh, so great. Uh, we got to learn it there. Because if we learn it there first, then it starts acting itself out in the way we live. Huh? And so that we can be more loving to others, uh, beginning with our families. Again, because everybody else, it's easy to love people that uh, we don't have to live with, or they don't have to live with us. Huh? Uh, and I remember as a young priest, when I was an old priest, when I first met him, but I was a young seminarian, I was talking about my spiritual director, and uh, I still believe to this day he's a great saint. And he's been dead now, but I think he's going to be canonized. That's all beside the point. But he says, oh, yes, Pete's a saint, but when there's a saint in the house, everybody else is a martyr. <laughs> I go, is that nice? That's not nice. <laughs> but it can be true. Jesus Christ is calling us to just be uh, loving and begin, beginning with our family, like Mother Teresa said. You don't have to come over to India to love people. Start with your family. And so, first of all, we uh, think, do I love in my prayer? Is my prayer unselfish? Do I love with my family? Because sometimes people run to church and other places because their family isn't very nice. And so they avoid their family instead of loving their family. So again, that's where you say, Lord, I can't love them because they've hurt me, because they don't respect me, whatever it is. But Jesus, you live inside of me. Love them through me. Love them through me. And so now you start beginning with your family and the and again, you know if there's people in your family, it's hard for you to love. It might be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your son, or your daughter. And just say, love them through me, Jesus. I can't. And boy, he'll take over that if you give him permission. He won't do it without your permission, but he'll do it with your permission. And then you got to go and beyond family and say, help me to love the people I work for, with or work for or I work with. Help me to love the people in my neighborhood because that's where it all uh, begins. It doesn't end there, but it has to begin with your family and then the people you work with and then the people in the neighborhood you uh, live with. Um, like some of us have and talked to our neighbors in forever because they hurt us or they, you know, they cut our, you know, whatever, something fell on their lawn from our lawn from them and I don't like those people. So what are you doing to love them? Huh? And then finally, we have to go to love the people who are our enemies. Again, that's not an option for a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says, love your enemies. Again, I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm sure as heck I'm not saying that I'm living this. I'm saying that this is what it means to love the way Jesus loves. And I'm saying that uh, if we're not loving like this, then we're not going to enter the kingdom of love because heaven's love. 
where God loves us, we love him, we love each other forever. Again, as I said the other day, we're getting close when we're hoping and praying the person I hate the most or like the least on this earth gets to sit next to me forever. And then, they, oh, I always get a big groan for that one. Uh, and I says, they'll be redeemed and we'll be redeemed. So this got to be what we strive for. Huh? It got to be the goal of our lives. Now we'll all reach there in our own um, personalities and we're going to get there in different ways. But that got to be the goal for you and I that we become these people of love because at the end of our life, as St. John said, uh, St. John of the Cross, in the end we'll be judged by love, by the God of love, but then how we have loved. Again, Matthew 25. And for whatever reason, that gets, uh, they, uh, uh, YouTube must be putting that out because almost every single day I get people who say, um, you know, or making comments about that one. Still, usually they're not uh, positive comments. Or, uh, and today there was one that came in It says, yes, you need to give uh, money to the people in uh, whatever place they were from, which they were from, of course. And so what does that look like? What does it look like um, to take care of the poor that uh, we must do? Does that mean we have to give people... Everybody who asks of us, <laughs> Jesus said that we should, huh? Give to everyone who asks of you. Oh, please. And that's, that's hard, huh? Because, again, that means uh, every time I see a person on the street, and, again, I, I always make a thing, you know, if I gave someone $10 yesterday, I'm not going to give them $10 today, Um I always say when people come to the and people come to the parish every day, give them something, even if it's a dollar. Uh, I carry dollar bills in my car if there's a person there. Um, I make sure, of course, that it takes care that that I tithe my money to the poor, you know. And so uh, every year when I do my taxes, which I just got done on Monday, they turned it in. And I had to make sure, okay, this is how much money I made, and this is how much money I gave to charity. Is it 10% of what I made? And then if it's, uh, if it's not, then I make sure that it, and again, <laughs> it, you can do that not just on your taxes, but you can do it on, on, on an aside. You know, you can do it with cash. You can do it with other ways. So, uh, but is it part of my life that, the 10% of what God gives me, 100% God gives me, and do I take the 10% and share it with the poor? Because that's part of loving others. You know, again, when I do the, uh, the uh, my confession questions, the last questions, the question is, do you consistently take care of the poor? And, uh, you know, people go to daily mass, they go to everything else, and every single time they would come to confession, for a lot of people, not... My parish has grown way beyond this by God's grace. But they would say no. And I'd say, that's what Jesus said you can go to hell for, that sin of omission, that lack of love for people who are not as well off as we are. And again and again, I have found that people who are wealthier are less generous. People who are poor are more generous. It's just amazing to me how that happens. 
you know that of course, Father, I'd do that. Other ones think it's it's I am I'm I can't give that much of my money if I pull in. Uh, well, why? If we don't give that ten percent off the top to God, we steal from God. It's His money, every dime we make. So again, and usually that isn't a problem for me to make sure that people get the poor and other organizations get my 10%. What always drives me most crazy is Pope Francis. And that's why I know he's of God. Because when people would come into him when he was bishop at the cathedral, and he would ask them as they were going to confession, did you take care of that poor person that was asking for money out in front of the church? And the person would say, oh, yes, bishop. And they'd say, did you look him in the eye when you did it? <laughs> they would say, oh, no, Bishop. And I find that's the way I am, that I can give um, the money to the poor, but I'm afraid to get to intimate with them, that I look at them, that they might capture, uh, capture my heart, and then I get caught up into that life. But what do you think Jesus wants me to do? Hmm. He wants my heart to be captured by the poor. And so I still have uh, so much to grow in, so much to uh, do what Jesus wants me to do, to fulfill his commandment to me and to you that we love the way he loves that we enter into other people's lives. Now, it's just impossible for us to do this with everybody. But I know that it's something I have to always confess, that I'm always working on, I'm getting better at it. Um, when I am praying more, and, you know, again, the prayer that I have said ever since I got ordained in 1989 Tomorrow will be my 34th anniversary to the priesthood. It's unbelievable. Tomorrow, 34 years that I have been a priest. And I love priesthood. I, I just love it. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't love me in the priesthood, I know. But I love being a priest. And um, all the years that I have been a priest, even before, when... I hold up Jesus in the most blessed sacrament, and it's the prayer of St. Thomas last Sunday at Divine Mercy, the Divine Mercy Gospel, that when I hold up Jesus, I say, my Lord and my God, increase my love for you and for your people. Increase my love for you and for your people because, and then I say, forgive me my sins because I'm a sinner, but when I do that, I know that God can never say no to that prayer, right? When I'm asking him to increase my love every day for him and for others, God's not up in heaven and saying, nope, I'm not going to grant that request. He must grant that request. It's the, it's the one thing he's asked us, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and you shall love other people. Again, as Jesus said in the beginning, as you love yourself, and then later on Jesus made that deeper, as I have loved you. So when you're asking God for the grace to love him and to love others, and you do it every day, every day, every day, he's going to grant that request. 
The problem is he's going to grant that request in your personality. He's not going to change your personality because he wanted you again. Uh, like I have classmates that are very gentle, very kind. And I know priests that uh, are like, when I always talk about Pete, these are people that are good, good, good people. They're naturally good. I'm naturally hard, you know, um, Today, when I go see my shrink, yes, the thing I'm going to be talking about is like someone come to me and says, Father, you're getting negative. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. And I go, yeah. And then I start looking at things. I'm going, ah, gosh. And there's so many reasons for it. That's not an excuse. But I'm sitting there thinking, that's not what Jesus wants of me. huh? So when I talk to you about these things, it's not me just talking to you and saying, look how well I got all this stuff together. I am a saint, you know. <laughs> I'm on my way to sanctity, and so are you. If we want what God wants, we want to do his will, as I talked about uh, last uh, week or the week before. We live to do the will of God, and the will of God for all of us is to do as he commands, and he commands that we love one another as Jesus loved us. And so that got to be our goal. That got to be our desire. That got to be what you and I are doing, not just going to church, not just saying our rosary, not just fasting, not just following the commandments of the Old Testament, but we must follow what Jesus asks. We must do as Jesus asks. We must love our enemies. We must love our families. We must love the poor. We must love our neighbors. We must love the people we work for. We must, because that's Jesus' will for us. So if I made you feel guilty today, good, because I made myself feel guiltier today. <laughs> Aren't you happy? And so that this God who convicts you, convicts me, then we sit there, and it isn't the point to sit there and say, oh, Lord, look at me now, and I'm not a loving person. That's not the point of this. The point is for each of us to say, okay, God, I don't love the way you love. Increase my love for you and increase my love for others. Love people through me. I give you permission, Jesus, to love the poor, to love my neighbors, to love everybody in my family, to love my enemies, because I can't do it. But the point of all this is, is Jesus lives inside of us, correct? So let him do it. Give him permission. And then we'll all grow and we'll all get better wall get to be more loving and then hopefully when we finally commit perfect love in our lives god will have to take us to heaven because if not we'll sit there and say oh look at i did a perfect act of love and then it becomes a selfishness we don't go to heaven so we want to just keep doing it lord 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 increase my love for you increase my love for your people and lord 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 love through me if i can't do it you got it you get it gonna do it May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay. So just while I'm thinking about it, I will not be here next week. I have to go give some talks uh, all different places. So I'm going to be on the road a lot. I'll be back, God willing, Saturday night. I'm going to be 
in Ohio on Tuesday, and then I'm going to be um, in the Woodlands, Texas, at St. Anthony Parish, this Friday and this Saturday. I'm going to get there early in the afternoon on sa- Friday so I can drive over to Katy, Texas to see my father's grave, God willing. And then I give a talk that night. And then I uh, give a talk the next morning, first thing, because I leave Texas like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And then I get back up in Cleveland like at uh, 9 o'clock, 9.10. And then I drive the two hours back to Erie. Um, unless I'm too tired, then I'll get a hotel so I can be there at Mass on Sunday. So this is next week. That's not this weekend. This weekend, um, I have a confirmation at the cathedral. My kids, 17 of our kids, are getting it confirmed down there, uh, which is very close to my parish. And then um, the following week, the first weekend of May, I think that's the when I come back, yeah, uh, we have our first communion and May crowning the first Sunday. So I'll be praying for you, and I ask you to be praying for me as always, and I thank you very much for that. So let's go on now and start taking some of the questions. And if you're new here, all you have to do is um, under live chat, put in your question there. Uh, if you're watching live, you know, it doesn't, I, I don't, I never get back to these to, to look at all the things. I should ask my staff to uh, go back and the ones I don't get to to write out or type out so uh, I can make sure I get everybody's in there because usually it's only the first people but we're going to try to get as many as he can today okay so hi Harry good evening Harry in uh, France hi Padre hi Pat a friend and I are taking a road trip to hear your talk on Tuesday good we're excited God bless you make sure you introduce yourself to me and say hi, because I'm doing a talk from uh, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, and then I am giving a, um, we have a little reception, so everybody that's there will have a chance to talk with me, and I am going to be in Orwell, Ohio, Orwell, Ohio, St. Mary Church, Orwell, Ohio, and I'm going to be talking about living Easter joy, living Easter joy. It's at 7 o'clock. Then at 8 o'clock, we're going to have a reception. So if you're in the Ohio area, Cleveland area, come on down, and we'll see you on an Akron. I think it's more towards Akron. It's between Cleveland and Akron, if I remember correctly. Um, so come on down. Okay. Harry, a question. What is Catholic teaching on the subject, once saved, always saved, which many evangelicals like to preach? we don't believe it. The reason is because of free will. Because you can always curse God and die. You can always lose your salvation uh, if you commit mortal sin, if you reject Jesus, uh, to say, I don't want you in my life, I reject you. Um, So you can lose salvation. Um, We do believe that a person is saved if they stay in God's will, if they stay in the grace of God. You know, and so once saved, always saved can work if you're in the grace of God and stay in. You know, I was reading, or I was watching something, or someone made a comment about it's so hard to stay in the state of grace. People of God, 
it's not that hard to stay in a state of grace. A state of grace is no mortal sin. Huh? So that shouldn't be that hard. You know, because uh, we might sin, but usually our sins are venial. Now, we have to don't dismiss them. It's just a venial sin. I don't know what I'm talking about. But to lose being in a state of grace means you commit a mortal sin. Now you have to worry. So, but even that, that's because we choose to do that. Commit a mortal sin, it's serious matter. Full knowledge and full consent of the will. It's wrong, I know it's wrong, and I do it anyway. So now I can separate myself from God if all three of things are there. God gives me what I want. But if I always want Jesus, I'm always staying in his will, I'm always doing his will, I'm staying out of mortal sin, then we don't have to worry, huh? Because Jesus died for us. But to uh, say that, no, it doesn't matter what I do, um, I have to be saved anyway, that would take away our free will. And God, that was the greatest gift he gave us next to existence. So God will never take that away. So that's why we believe it, not because of a great, uh, the grace of God lacking. Oh, the grace of God is always there. But he always gives us what we want. Hope that helps, Harry. Uh, thank God you're cancer-free. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know by God's grace. Hi, Father Larry. St. Lawrence here in... Sandra Lawrence. Well, let it be St. Lawrence, too. Sandra in South Carolina. You're the one who just sent me all the um, uh, pecans in that. Uh, organic butter pecans. Mm, thank you. And the chocolate. I ate it all. I shouldn't have, but I did. So thank you. Uh, you and your mother, Anna, is uh, uh, what I'm guessing. That's who you are. Yes, I did receive your package. Thank you very much, Sandra. Um, absolutely. It was uh, very good as I went through it all. Okay. Yeah, going to my parish on Tuesday to get trained to, for altar serving. Absolutely perfect. Be a great altar server. Do it for Jesus. Nobody else. Do it for Jesus. Make this a, a gift of love to Jesus. Afternoon, Father. How, uh, how was your health? I, good. We, I told you it was doing by God's grace. A priest said that lay people are not to act as Eucharistic ministers unless a priest cannot serve everyone in the parish or they will end up in purgatory. <laughs> That's because the priest is a clerical, selfish, miserable. It is true, true, that if a priest can give out communion, you don't need extraordinary ministers. Uh, but again, it's it, it, very clerical on it's, it's we're so holy and you are not that's i can't say what i'm thinking but you can probably put it together you know we're all called to serve we're all called to be able to bring christ to others you know um there is a clericalism that thinks that we priests are better than ever and if there's a priest here watching you think, oh we are better than ever you have to grow in humility father i'm just telling us so do i but again, when we ever think that we're better than other people, instead of we are the slaves of the servants of God, then we have issues. So again, for someone to say, and that's not the teaching of the church, the second part, that if you do give out communion, you'll end up in purgatory. That is garbage from a priest who is a clerical um, so-and-so. So, sorry, I got, isn't it amazing how little things set me off? I know. <laughs> I have people that always watch and say, so what's going to set them off today? You see, I have issues. Anyway, 
Hi, Julia, Ryan. Hi, Father. Paul says hi, too. We're also thankful you're cancel-free. Call him a pagan again for me. Thanks, Julia. Hopefully, we'll get down there this summer. I'm going to be in L.A. this summer. I don't know if I'm going to get down to San Diego because I'm going to be doing a men's uh, retreat out in Alhambra. And then I'm going to be doing my... Um, then I'm doing a, uh, my private five-day retreat, and I'm flying to Honolulu to do uh, a couple talks, uh, two days worth of talks, and I'll stay out in Honolulu for a couple days. Okay. Mary Claire. Hey, Father Larry. So happy to hear about your test results. Was praying. Thank you for the prayers. Carol Allen, thank you, Father. I am more intent in praying for those here on earth because the souls in purgatory will definitely get to heaven. People who are still here in our confused world need prayer, yes. And we pray for the souls in purgatory. I don't mean don't pray for the souls in purgatory, but pray more intensely for the people that might go to hell so that they get saved. Hi, dear Father Larry, Mark and I are praying for you and love you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you very, Mark and Lisa from Canada. Of course, Chris, you pagan. Hi, Father Larry. I'm so sorry, Chris. I know you're sensitive. Hi, Father Larry. Can you talk more about Pete? You've mentioned how he had homeless people staying with him in the rectory and how he whacked you when you first met him. What else is there? What was like? He was the most loving person I ever met, but he was never... Um, pious, I'll say it that way. He was, you know, when I'd go to confession to him or as my spiritual director and I'd say something like, oh, Pete, I, you know, I don't know if I can take my vow of celibacy when I was going to get ordained. He goes, Richard, your problem is in celibacy, it's humility. Uh, you know, so he was very, uh, he could say that and I could take it because I knew he loved me more than anybody else. And that's so important when we know that stuff. That if, uh, and again, boy, I don't live this enough. But the reality is that we can hear anything from anybody that we know that loves us. Uh, but if they don't love us, we don't want to hear it and usually reject it. So just another reason to be more loving. And he was the most loving man I ever met. Okay, happy anniversary. Thank you. I'm very excited. I can't believe I've been entertained 34 years tomorrow. That freaks me out. Who's that old guy? <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing in here that's got old. Uh, and my body is starting to get there, but what are you going to do? Happy anniversary. Father, Father, what do we do when we see a parishioner walking out of the host without consuming it? Do we alert someone or do we suppose to tell them to consume it? I always uh, will run after them and say, you gotta, they, if they walk out of the church, there's no way. You make sure you tell an usher or somebody. They should never leave the church without consuming it, unless, of course, they're an extraordinary minister. But often when people come up, you know, I have a lot of visitors to the parish, and people will come up and receive communion and walk away with a hand. Ah, ah, ah. Put it in your mouth. Put him in your mouth. So, but yes, you never let the, anybody walk out of the church with the, uh, you don't do it in a nasty way. You just make sure that you're protecting uh, Christ in his, uh, in his uh, sacramental presence. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations, anniversary. Thank you, Mary Claire. Praise God that you're cancer-free. Thank you. Prayers for you. Father, are you coming to New York? I haven't been to, last time I was in New York was, I've never been to, into the Diocese of New York. Uh, 
uh, I don't know why, because Cardinal Dolan's a great guy and we speak a lot together, but I guess his people, I was supposed to be up there uh, once and the, the pastor um, who used to be on EWTN, I can't forget, uh, he was in downtown. I was, they asked me to come up to a men's conference, but he refused to let me come to the parish. Um, oh, he wrote the book on... Uh, Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't have to use his name, for goodness sakes. But the last time I was up there was in Long Island. I've been to a couple parishes there in Long Island. I love New York, and I've been to Long Island for their men's conference, but I haven't been to anything in New York City, so I don't know why New York City people don't like me. So I've never been up there. I'd love to come up, so have your pastor invite me up, and I will come up, or even for a talk or for a parish mission. A lot of parish uh, pastors won't let me come in for a mission, though, because it's too much work for them, eight hours of their life, and they don't want to be there every night listening to me. So that's why it's hard uh, for more and more places to want me to come in for missions. Okay. Uh, Father, it's great hearing you talks on hope. Thank you. Will you talk in Ohio, be recorded, uh, videotaped, and made uh, available online? I have no idea. Tell you honest, honest truth, probably not, I, but I don't know. Because I haven't uh, given that talk before, uh, the one they're asking me, Living uh, uh, Easter Joy. But uh, as far as I know, it's not going to be. It might be. Uh, Harry, Father, you've confirmed my understanding. I hear it so many views that sometimes I get confused. Thanks, Harry. Okay. Why do we no longer capitalize pronouns referring to God? Uh, I always do. I always do. If you ever see any of my morning or evening uh, things, I go back in there. I even uh, change the scripture to capitalize Jesus or refers to Jesus or when he says me or whatever. It's always God's always capital referring to God. I've, I, I really don't know why we got out of it. Even the Bible, if you look at the Bible, some Bibles, but very few still capitalize. But I do it. I learned it in grade school from the nuns and I in all my books, I make sure God is always capitalized, and every time I refer to God, it's always capitalized, always, always, always. But I don't know. How are you, uh, how are you doing with not swearing? I'm doing quite good with uh, the S word, by God's grace. Uh, I did. It was thank you again, Sandra. Is it selfish to pray that God wakes up some pastor in South Jersey and invites you down? <laughs> now you're praying for others. They get saved. That'd be a, a fine thing. Uh, Hi, Father Larry. Father, thoughts on Henry Now and books and writings. I love his uh, writings. One of the, the one book called Compassion is one of the strongest books I've ever read. I go back to it again and again. Henry Nowen had uh, problems like we all have problems, but I have great respect for um, him. He just, he had a humble heart to try to, live God's will. Did he do it perfectly? No. Did he have issues? Yes. Was he a man of God? Yes. Did he have great insight? Did God use him? Yes. Uh, I used to work at Larsh, uh, or minister at Larsh here in Erie, and so, uh, boy, when I read his books, or uh, clowning around in Rome, I remember, I remember, I have most of his books, and I read most of them when I was in seminary, uh, his book on um, the prodigal son, Return of the Prodigal Son, is still one of the top books uh, people buy, you know, and so on compassion and everything else. But you want to read a solid book, read Compassion, because it is very challenging. Books getting there. 
Will you come from India because I am from there? The plan is for me to get to India because we have our orphanage in India. And so I keep telling sister, I will come. But I think I'm going to try to build it around next time they show. It's every 10 years they show, of course, the body of uh, um, St. Francis de Sales. So I have a great devotion to Francis de Sales. So I'd like to come on uh, and the same time. I used to have a bunch of people from India uh, that were up in Toronto, and they used to keep in contact with me. I haven't heard from them in years. Uh, Lloyd and that, but these are, I don't know whatever happened. I mean, they just, like a lot of people think that Father Larry got soft, you know, and Father Larry got uh, uh, liberal. My gosh, have mercy, it still drives me crazy. Anyway, Father, there is more to New York than city. Of course, I know I've done lots of missions in New York, but not New York City. Yes, oh, I know. Audrey, Chris Walker, Father Pete was a gift of God. Yes, he was. Uh, I was still always capitalized, also learned. Yep, still do it. Uh, how do you know that the Gospels were actually written correctly and not embellished? Well, the main way, of course, they're not written the way we have them, of course. We have them in either English or different things. Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and um, if... No, it's not dogma yet. And then it was written and put in the Greek, and then, of course, uh, uh, St. Jerome put it in the Latin. What we do is what we believe is God used men and then through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring an inerrant word of the Gospels. Uh, that's what the church has taught. Now, of course, a lot of people don't believe it, but it takes faith for all this stuff. If God can, if the God created the world... He can create one book that has it's free from error for faith and morals. Not it not it's not a history book. It's not that type. You have to make sure you know what the gospel is. It's a it's a proclamation of the truth. But the historical things you'll see, like in three of the synoptic gospels, it said Jesus carries the cross himself, and then another gospel it says Simon helped him carry the cross, or the opposite way. Uh, the resurrection accounts are very different in that. So it's speaking truth. But we're all, all the apostles in their humanity gave their insight or how they saw it. Like if you and I were to watch a, uh, a car wreck, we'd probably give two different accounts because we looked at it differently. It's both true, usually, you know, and so, but when it comes to the word of God, we believe that God used this and brings me salvation. And again, when I go to the word of God every day, it brings me, it changes my heart. It brings peace to my soul. So we can argue about that, but I don't even argue about it. If you believe it, believe it. If you don't believe it, God bless you. But again, I know what the word of God has the power to change me, and it has, and it keeps bringing me every day to the knowledge of his will. Um, any mission in Africa? Nope, that's not one place I have any uh, places at. Father, please, let's do a retreat in India. One of these days. Okay, now let's get to this because I have a bunch of these I haven't gotten to. I have a 24, I have a 20-year-old son and wants to go to the beach with friends in May. Seven or eight total young adults. He told me three or, uh, two or three are females, none of which are his girlfriend, nor does he say that he has in, any interest in it. They would be staying in one of the friend's parents' house who may actually be there. He says females will stay in their, their own room. Yeah, yeah. Males in the other. Yeah, yeah. My son has no interest in drugs, alcohol, and I actually trust him. 99.9%. .9%, I realize at his age, he makes many of his own choices. Of course. 
is if nothing else happens during this trip that would obviously be sinful, is the simple act of just staying under the same roof sinful for either him or for me for not stopping him? No. Uh, you know, you can even be in the same room if, uh, you know, uh, separated. and Yeah, it's just the, the problem is it can be a near occasion of sin for some people. Uh, but again, your son's 20 years old. He's not like he's 18, I'd say. If they were under 18, not even close. Don't even think about it. But they're 20. I'm sure to be soon 21, so they're an adult. They're adult after 18, so we have to let them start making their own mistakes. But uh, I always say God lets us sin. He lets us sin so much that we can lose our salvation. We can be damned. So if God allows that, then we have to allow that when it's appropriate, they're old enough, and da, da, da. And if you know them and you trust them, okay. Okay. I have to get back to this because I've already answered a couple of them. My grandmother always said, the work you do on Sunday, you rip out on Monday in reference to keeping the Sabbath holy and not doing work. How much work can a person do on a Sunday and not be breaking that commandment? Just trying to figure out how much I can do. I've wondered about this for a long time. Again, the Sabbath is on Saturday. Objectively, it was Sunday. The church made it Sunday in uh, the early church years because it's the Lord's Day. Uh, we're not like uh, radical Jews that won't even stand or turn a light bulb on. That's not us. We were been set free from the law. That being said, we shouldn't be working if we... Uh, and I'm, it's not like working that we don't want to do. Like I cut my grass sometimes on Sunday and people will sit there and say, you cut your grass on the Sabbath. I said, it's not Saturday. But anyway, uh, I say, I enjoy cutting my grass. And if I enjoy doing it, then it's not work, you know? So it's something I relax and it's a relaxing thing for me. But people say, oh no, it's work. Okay, it gives some other people to judge the priest because they love to do that anyway. So it gives them something they can really judge. But if I was... Uh, uh, God gave the Sabbath for us. So you could say legally that you can say that I don't have to work on Sundays, you know, the work where you get a job because it's against the Sabbath because God gave us that day of rest. So if I'm cutting the grass and that is a day of rest for me and that's how I relax uh, or if I do something around the house and that's how I relax and it is like tomorrow's my day off, um, which I don't get that often, so, but I'll go to my house, and my whole day off tomorrow will be working on the house, and that relaxes me, you know, so uh, that's why if I'm busy all the time, and I can't get out there because I'm doing God's will all week, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I cut my grass on Sunday, again, I don't feel guilty about it because it's something I enjoy, but we shouldn't purposely work on Sunday. That's the whole thing. God gave us the Sabbath for us to rest. And we need a Sabbath rest. But we don't look at it. We take the rest because God gave it to us, not because oh, I'm going to sin if I, if I pick up a pencil or if I cook dinner, I'm sinning. I ain't going to do that. Please. Again, think about what kind of ogre we sometimes make God. Okay. Retreat, I will, Father, I do not forget your birthday. I'm just trying to <laughs> catch up. Don't worry, my birthday's been a while. And after you're 63, what's the point? Uh, if you cut your grass here on Sunday, you'll get a visit from the 
or I don't know what that is. We have town ordinances. Oh, we have a town ordinance against it. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that way you just get a get some goats or some sheep and have them do it for you there, Harry. <laughs> um, thank you for the masses. Working on our farm is uh, work for me. My paperwork is amazingly. It's relaxing for me. My paperwork is agonizing hard work for me. Then you can do the certain things on your farm, uh, but wait for the paperwork for other days. Anyway, I got to get out of here. So again, I will not be here next week. We'll be back again, God willing, in two weeks. And then I will not be there. I'll be missing for two weeks because I'm going to be in the Holy Land, which I have been telling you about for the last... Uh, two years so i will be in the holy land um for two weeks and so i'll be praying for you at all the holy places but i'll see i'll, I'll be back in two weeks here we'll talk about the holy land and then i'll see you after two weeks after that okay so i love you i'm praying for you i ask you to please pray for me and the trips i'll be going on and that i'll always speak god's will and not my own will okay no, I'm praying for you. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. That sound familiar for Mass? Yeah. God bless you. See you in a couple of weeks. God willing. I have to get the outro there. <laughs>